This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. try that again. Good morning. Yeah, I like you guys. I always have though, so. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand so you can follow along with us. We're in Luke chapter one. We'd love for you to see in the word what we're going through, what we're going to look at. Going to be doing a couple Christmas messages today and on Tuesday evening at our Christmas Eve service. So like Sean said, we'd love if you would join us for the Christmas Eve service. And the title of the two messages that we're going to be looking at today and Tuesday evening is Joy to the World. Joy to the World? Question mark, Joy to the World. Did Jesus really bring joy to the world? Are you experiencing joy in Jesus Christ? Because I can tell you, statistically, the holidays is the most depressing time of the year. And, and I don't even have to read a statistic to know that because I talk to people <laughs> year-round. And most of the time when people are having the most difficulty is around this time. But can I say to you as a believer in Jesus Christ, if that's how you identify, you don't have to be influenced by the negativity of the world, that you have the Holy Spirit of God and his desire for you is to have joy. Joy inexpressible that they cannot identify, but you know why, and you live in it. So here's my question for you this morning. If you're a note taker, we're going to be looking at a few things in Luke chapter 1. But my question is, do you have joy? I was talking to a friend of mine a few days ago, and and I was talking about how we, we were considering how there's this there's this popular desire to be an influencer these days. That's a big thing. Have you guys ever heard of that before? Influencers. Right now is the, the time in history, more, greater than any other time in history, that there's more millionaires between the ages of 18 and 30 than any other time in history. You know Why? Because you don't have to be nobody to get on, make a YouTube channel and start having advertisements rolling through. And there's there's people in their early 20s, 18 to to 29, that are millionaires because they want to be these influencers. I don't think that we really understand how important it is to identify the influences in our life. Because the things that influence us are going to push us in the direction of what our position is, what we think about what's going on, all the bad news in the world, that influences us. How many of you stopped reading the news? I have to take breaks from reading the news. You know why? Because it depresses me. Why? Because it's an influencer. And I've cut out certain things in my life so that I'm not going to be influenced by them. Do you know that the Holy Spirit wants to influence your life? 
And when you are influenced by the Holy Spirit, not only will you have joy because it's a fruit of the Spirit, you will produce other fruits of the Spirit because walking in the Spirit is being influenced by the Spirit. And when you're influenced by the Spirit, you're not being influenced by the world. Be careful what you give your time to. Be careful the things that you watch. Be careful the things that you listen to. Be careful the people that you surround yourself with because you will be the sum of the five people that you hang out with. The influence. You know, I've said this for years. You know, I tell people when they say, what is spiritual warfare? When you talk about as a believer, we have spiritual warfare. This is what spiritual warfare is. There is a battle raging right now for your soul in the heavenly realm. Make no, I know it sounds freaky. My name's Warholic, so I, talked about, I like to talk about warfare stuff. There is a battle raging in the spiritual realm for your soul. And this is a one-word definition of spiritual warfare is this, influence. And make no mistake, the things that I give myself to, the things that I let in are ultimately going to influence me. This is the the main part of what we're going to be talking about today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters who are here to hear your word. And I just take great confidence in knowing, experiencing the truth of your word, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That as we hear your word, maybe we have little faith, maybe we lack faith, maybe we don't don't believe at all. But as we hear your word, it starts to inherently produce faith in us and influence us to take bigger steps of faith to draw near to you and to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who you are. And Lord, we agree, most of us, if not all of us, agree here this morning that we want to have that joy that you offer. We want to be joyful people. We want to live in joy inexpressible. So as you give us instruction, practical instruction in your word this morning, we pray that you would influence us in that direction and that we wouldn't only produce joy as the fruit of the Spirit of our lives, but that that we would produce all of the fruits of the Spirit, love, patience, kindness, long-suffering, all of those things that you identify as people who are influenced by your Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you for your word to us again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we have a teenage girl, Mary, who was in a day and age where if you did certain things or certain things happened to you, you could be ostracized from the community, but people ultimately, they really look down on you. That's just the way that it was. And there's to some degree those kinds of truths today as well. But here we have Mary chapter 1 verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, and the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. 
Note with me in the text, because this is important, what is the first thing that the angel says to Mary? Rejoice! Well, if somebody, she's troubled at this saying, right? If somebody says to me, hey, comes up and starts, you know, excitedly, hey, be happy, be excited, rejoice. And I'm like, okay, good news before the bad news, what's going on? He says, rejoice. I have two definitions for you or or two points. Joy is a noun. Joy is an emotion. You guys understand that? Joy is an emotion. Now, to rejoice is a verb. To rejoice is an exercise. And this is the biblical principle for you today if you, if you want to understand this. You can't have joy unless you rejoice. Rejoicing puts you in the place of being joyful, having joy. If you're the kind of person that likes to complain rather than look at what the good things that you have in life are, you will not have joy, period. It's a principle that is set. The prescription to having joy is to rejoice. Rejoice? Rejoice, as in redo again or remember. Remembering, rejoicing is an exercise that puts you in the place that you are able to be joyful. But if you don't consider the things that you should have joy in, if you don't consider why, it's going to be very difficult for you to live a life of joy. I shared with you guys a couple times, I'm not embarrassed, I don't, woke up in a, in a bad mood a week ago and I was grumpy and, and, and I was thinking to myself after a while, you know, just wrong side of the proverbial bed or whatever, I was thinking to myself for a while, you know, Tim, you're a dummy. You have no, you have absolutely no reason to be unhappy. You have absolutely no reason. Give me any kind of reason why, why you should be unhappy and not be filled with the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Holy Spirit. I don't. And anything that I have to say is nothing to be compared to God's goodness towards me. And anything any of you have to say has nothing to do with his goodness that he's already poured out towards you and the things that he has in store for you. I saw this picture around Thanksgiving, and it is more Thanksgiving geared, but we have to connect Thanksgiving and joy together, don't we? So I I saw this picture. I want you to take a look at it. This picture right here that Grant's going to throw up is the Mayflower passengers. Did anybody see this around Thanksgiving? I'm glad. It's fresh. So there's all of the families, all of the people that got on the Mayflower to go to the new world. Go to the next slide. Those were all the people that made it to the first Thanksgiving in 1621. Some of them, whole families lost. And do you know what they did? They had a Thanksgiving. Do you know what Tim Warholic would do? Thanksgiving's canceled. We've got nothing to be thankful for. All these people didn't make it. We thought God was leading us here. What's happening? Let's have a a whining party, a pity party party and talk about all the things that we wish we had and all the people that we wish we were were here to, to, to celebrate with, but they're not, so we're not. 
and that's it. But what did they have, church? They had a thanksgiving. You know why? Because they had things to be thankful for. They had things to rejoice in so that they could be joyful. And if they didn't stick it out, we wouldn't be here today. Or we'd look a lot different. Might be speaking a different language. Rejoice. Rejoice so that you can have joy. Mary was troubled at this greeting, the word says. And considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Let me ask you a question. Why did the angel say to Mary, do not be afraid? Anybody? She was afraid. When somebody says to me, you know, when I'm about to go wrestle a bull or something I do in my free time, you know. If somebody says to me, hey, Tim, don't be afraid. I'm like, I'm not afraid. You're afraid. Or I'm doing something that I'm not afraid. And somebody says to me, you know, like, don't be afraid. I'm like, I'm talking to the wrong guy. I'm, I'm, I'm stacked. I'm solid. I'm stoked. I'm ready to go. Locked and loaded, baby. Let's do this. The angel knew Mary's countenance. She knew where she, where she was. He knew where she was. And, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to pop quiz you real quick, if you don't mind, church. What's the opposite of fear? Anybody remember? What's the opposite, biblically speaking, of fear? It's another F word. Faith. The opposite of fear is faith. And what we're going to see here as we read through these verses is how Mary responds to the word of God in her life and how she goes very quickly from fear to faith. And what God wants for you and I is he wants us to go from those things that are scaring us, those things that the enemy wants to hold over us, he wants us to move on and go from fear to faith. But so often in our time, our day and age now, a lot of people that I know, they go from faith to fear so quickly. They say they believe something, and as soon as something starts to happen, they, they, react, they react, they respond in fear. God wants you to move on very quickly from a place of fear to a place of faith, to a place of receiving his word, to a place of being confident of what he has for you, to being confident that it's good things that he has for you. Always, every good and every perfect gift that comes from God is, is perfect from above. So there's no shadow. You know, he's talking about trials. Every perfect gift comes from above, from God. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and will bring forth a son. All right, that's where my mind would, I, I'd lose the angel. Okay, I'm a teenage girl. You're telling me to rejoice. You're telling me not to be afraid. And the next thing you say is, I'm going to have a baby? He goes on to say he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Mary, this young girl, this virgin, 
starts off, rejoice, you are highly favored of God. How many of you would respond to God positively if he told you the next trial you were about to go through? Rejoice, you're about to be fired from your lifelong career. Rejoice, you're about to go through the most difficult financial time in your life. Rejoice because God has purposed this for you. Our response is always a pushback. But why? Why is this happening? But as we get to know who God is, we see that we go through the trial to receive the increase. There's never a a, a detriment to being tried and, and going through trial in God's economy. It's always to his glory. He takes the imperfect. He takes that which makes no sense. And then people on the other side are like, minds blown. How did that work out? How did that happen? I, I've never even known a man. I, I don't even know how that's possible. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. Listen to this. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. She's speaking of herself. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. God wants to have a conversation with people. He wants to go through things. Okay? He wants you to understand his purposes, but we just don't get the whole picture sometimes. But we see two things happen here. The first thing that we see that we just read happen is that God gives Mary a companion to go through this trial with. Who is it? Elizabeth, her relative, who also is going to be with child, whose son is going to be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So there's one thing that she's going to get support in by God bringing Elizabeth into this picture who's a relative of hers. What's, the, what's another thing for, for point number one that's a blessing for this bringing Elizabeth? Elizabeth was barren. So there's actually two miracles that are happening. This woman was not able to have children. And the angel says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Not only is the barren woman going to have a child, but the virgin will have one as well. And you guys are going to get to go through this together. You know, there's some some inclinations in the Greek, in the New Testament, that people made fun of Jesus or his followers because he didn't know who his father was. Mary was going to have to go through the, the fact that Joseph wasn't the actual father of Jesus. And we see by divine revelation that he still takes her to be his wife. But this was Jesus' life. This was Mary's future life. It was going to be difficult to a certain degree. It was going to be hard for this teenage girl to explain this. Well, God told me that I was going to get pregnant. What? Are you crazy? I could only imagine some of the conversations, some of the things that were said. 
But I'm going to give you, number one, I'm going to give you somebody to go through it with you. Then Mary said, behold, the handservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What's the second thing we see? How quickly, guys, how quickly did Mary go from fear to faith? <laughs> a, a very short, a very quick conversation. And here we see a woman who is so submitted to, maybe not in full understanding, but, but in, in knowledge of the God that she serves, submitted to his will and his purpose in the process. Now Mary arose in those days, verse 39, and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for... Joy, you guys sleeping? Leaped in my womb for what? Joy. Leaped in my womb for joy. You see, what happens is joy is infectious. When I have joy and I'm around people that don't have joy and I don't let their non-joy affect me, they start to be like, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that lady. They're always joyful. It's like they have a different perspective than everybody else. And then God brings together companionship. So Elizabeth has joy. Mary has joy. The baby John the Baptist in the womb has joy. And I love this verse. You know why? Because this verse in the Bible tells us that an unborn child can have an emotion. Because joy is an emotion. And this unborn child responds emotionally to the fact that Mary is going to have a, a, a baby that is going to ultimately become the Messiah of the whole world. How it affects our community, how it affects the joy, affects our interpersonal relationships. Blessed is he, blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So what is the first speaking of God to Mary was by the angel. The second speaking of God to Mary is through her relative Elizabeth. And, and what was the motivation? How did Elizabeth know that this was actually the Messiah that was to come to the earth? What does it say? It says by the Holy Spirit. Told, through Speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit, she pronounces the Savior coming to the world. And, and who am I that my Lord, capital L-O-R-D, my Lord would come and visit me. And John the Baptist leaps in the womb of his mother for joy. I love that it said it's clearly, this is clearly a thread through these, these verses, right? Rejoice, joy, joyful, even the baby Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, this is beautiful. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. 
there it is again. How could Mary be in a place where she was joyful because she was rejoicing? Look at her circumstance again as a teenage girl. Should she be in a place of joy? Should she be in a place of expectation in God? And how can she be? She's rejoicing in the God that she knows that he is. This indicates to us that Mary was a a, a young lady who knew her word. She knew the word of God. And as we read through this thing that Mary said, her response, we'll see how well she knew him and why she could rejoice and live in a place of joy. Kids, quiet down back there, man. (laughs) Verse 48, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservants. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And that that verse really strikes me. I really like that. Mary's not just looking at the short game. Mary's looking not just at the mid game. Mary's not just looking. She's way beyond your guys' thinking. She's looking far into the future and says, generations forever are going to be blessed. How can she know that? Number one, she knows who, who her God is. Number two, she's familiar with the promises of God to her and her people and the house of David. Number three, she's believing it and going forward in faith. How many of you have made plans and, and sought God to be blessed this week? Just right now, God, just bless me right now, please. I don't care about next week. I don't care about next year. I just want to be blessed right now. Have somebody pay it forward to me at Starbucks on the way to work, Lord. Right now, I want to be blessed. Or how about this week? I want to be blessed this week. And I'm going to be seeking God. God, I want to know who you are, and I I want to be blessed by you this coming week. How many of you do it for a month, six months? How about make a five-year plan of the blessings of God? Oh, we have personal goals, but spiritual Blessings of God, what we can receive. I was talking to a dear brother about this yesterday, and, and, he, and we were talking about this long-term blessings of God and how we can really get caught up in the temporary. We can really get caught up in the here and now blessings and not look forward to the future. Guys, don't get distracted. Don't be distracted with the temporal blessings that you get now. Because today's going to be tomorrow, today's going to be yesterday, and tomorrow's going to be today very quickly. You all know it. Start to prepare to receive God's blessings in expectation, believing who he is, believing who he says he is towards you to receive his blessings into the future. Because that's what he wants to do. I, told, I think I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. Um, I was in Austria, and I flew back for Christmas in December 2004, hang out with my family for a little bit, went up to meet Grace's family for the first time a few weeks before we got married. I asked for her hand in marriage over Skype, and I felt like a ding-dong. I got I wanted to meet her family. I wanted to meet her dad. That was what my heart was. But just the way everything went down, I just had to ask him on Skype. 
And his response to me, I'll never forget all of it. He said, I raised Gracie. And any guy that she picks that she wants to spend the rest of her life with, I fully trust her decision in this. Like, so he speaks highly of his daughter. Then I get to California. I go up north to meet her family a, a few weeks before we get married. And I meet her mom. And you know what the first thing her mom said to me was? Her mom said to me after she met me, she gave me a big hug. And she said, I've been praying for you since the day Gracie was born. <laughs> I'm not praying for my kids' spouses. I don't, want, I don't even want to know those losers. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm kidding. I do pray for my kids' spouses. You pray for your grandbabies. Pray for your legacy. Pray for the five years. Pray for a hundred years. Her family, one of her aunts recently did the Ancestry.com and dove in deep and went back and traced Grace's family, Chadwick, back to British royalty ruling over the Irish in Ireland back in the day. And they found out that Grace's family is British royalty and her mom was from the same region as an Irish peasant. <laughs> and now all these years later... They got married, and she's a, she's a product of that, that marriage. But I have so many problems today. I have so many issues now that need to be addressed. God, why would I pray or think about things 50 years from now? But God can't answer those prayers that we don't pray. Sometimes he does, don't get me wrong, but he wants to engage in a relationship with you so he can reveal himself to you. For behold, henceforth all generations will come, call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. These are the words of a non-married, single, well, engaged to be married, pregnant teenage girl. My God has done great things for me. Fully confident in the word that was spoken to her. Demonstrating faith by what she says. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, and he's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And let's read that last verse again and let it sink in a little bit. He has, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Where was Mary's confidence? Where was it? In God's spoken word. And let me tell you something. If you give God's word a chance, Remember, the, the, the sowing of the four seeds, of the parable of the four seeds, how many people responded ultimately and produced fruit in the future? One quarter. All the rest of them fell away. Why? For the most part, they let the fears and concerns of the present day, 
the worries and concerns that we have to deal with. They let them choke out the fruit that the word of God was going to have in their lives. This is a, it's a warning for us. If you allow the word of God to be sown into your hearts, it will, without a doubt, start to produce fruit in your lives. This is one of the things that I love about small groups and fellowship in small groups is that you get to be part of a community that has joy. Because everybody's, you know, we're all here on Sunday morning, but, and it's good. But when you got a good solid 5, 10, 15 brothers or sisters together, you know, it's just precious. It's sweet. I want to come back to that though. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, how had the Lord shown great mercy to Elizabeth? She was barren and she was going to have a child. Being barren in that day and age was pretty much like a curse. So her neighbors heard, and she had brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they did what? They rejoiced with her. They rejoiced because now they have joy, and joy, make no mistake, is infectious. When you live in a place of rejoicing because you know God's word, you know what his promises are, you know what to expect, and you give that to others, now we start to develop a community, a culture of joy. And there's not much better than living in that place of joy that God always intended you to be in. God doesn't want you to be defeated. God doesn't want you to be unhappy. God doesn't want you to be miserable. He doesn't want you to be upset. He doesn't want you to be confused. Confusion is from the enemy. God is not the author of confusion. He wants you to have inexpressible joy. And the only way that you can really do that is by submitting to him, receiving the promises of God through his word, and rejoicing. So you can live in joy, and as that joy spreads around, creates a community of joy of us who partake in the joy of the Lord together. This is coming, bringing me back to the, the thought that I mentioned a couple minutes ago of, of small groups. What does a small group do? A small group is a, a group of people in the church that get together and, and ultimately they're not playing Settlers of Catan, but whatever, we can do that too. Ultimately, we're getting together and we're, and we're we're talking about the word. We're talking about the Lord. We're, we're iron sharpening iron. We're challenging each other. We're, we're rejoicing together. We're, we're sharing the, the great things that God has done on our behalf. And what happens is start to get deeper seated in the word. The fruits of the spirit start to come out more and more. And we develop a smaller culture, a small community within the church that has joy. I really love our men's group on Monday nights. Shameless plug. 
10 to 15 guys that we sit down together and we talk about the word and the things that we've read for the, for the next hour, hour and a half, five hours. Just Sometimes it goes a little later, but don't be scared because the opposite of fear is faith. <laughs> you will receive the word and have fellowship when you come to the small groups. But we have so many small groups here at Paradise Calvary Chapel. We have the Monday night men's group. We have the Tuesday night Bible college, Tuesday night ladies study that's taking a break right now through the holidays. We have another study for the ladies. The, our midweek is, is like a small group on Wednesday nights. We have Thursday night, something on Thursday night, I forgot. We got stuff going on all the time. We've got unofficial things of people hanging out and having fellowship in the Lord. You want to see personal and spiritual growth? Get plugged into a small group. Join the prayer team. You know, I grew spiritually more in my life in one season, exponentially more in this one particular season of my life when I joined a small group to pray, a prayer group. We would talk and pray for each other. It was, it was beautiful. And it cultivates this attitude, this, this a word that we're kind of we're kind of a little scared of. This feeling. It cultivates this feeling of happiness, of joy, of expectation in God. Nobody ever went away from a Bible study unless they were unless they were uh, not teaching truth. Let's say, let's put it that way. Nobody came away from a Bible study and said, "And I wish I didn't go to that stinking Bible study tonight." I, I've never met them. We always have something to take away. God's always faithful to meet us. And our ending word that I'm going to close with for you this morning, and I want you to consider is our ending word is um, rejoice so that you can have joy. Rejoice so that you can have joy. The prescription to having joy is to rejoice. Think about what Mary did. What did she do? She took the word that was spoken to her. She received it in faith. She proclaims the blessings that she was going to receive because she believed it. And then what was the next thing she did? She wrote it down. This is what I want you to do. If you're struggling with joy, if you're not joyful, if you're in a place where you want to experience the joy that I'm talking about, first of all, if you're not a believer, <laughs> receive Jesus as your personal Savior and repent for your sins to receive direction and divine guidance from God, number one. Number two, if you've done that, I want you to write down what you rejoice in, what you're thankful for, the promises of God that you know apply to your life, just like Mary did. She wrote it down. These are the, these are the reasons why I can rejoice. She says, I do rejoice, and this is why. All the generations ahead of me are going to be blessed. And I'm going to be called blessed because of this thing that's happened. And it's going to affect the entire world. Let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you this morning that you have a strong word for us this Christmas season, that you want us to have joy, that you don't want us to settle down in the depression that the world lives in or the doubts or the condemnation or the hopelessness. You want us to settle down in the hope that you have for us and you want us to experience the joy of faith, the joy of knowing who you are. The joy of experiencing the God who created us in his image. And God, we're so thankful and we rejoice in that truth. God, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to my brothers and sisters this season right now in this time. You touch them, that you would encourage them, that you would bless them, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit so that they could be the kind of infectious people that you send out to create joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you guys a couple opportunities this morning. Just if, the, if there's a movement within you, the Holy Spirit's trying to get your attention. I want to give you an opportunity in two ways. The first way, if you've never, I ask again, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior for the forgiveness, for the forgiveness of sins so that you can start to have a right relationship with God, I want to give you the opportunity to do that and pray with you. So with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand up in the air so that I can pray for you and that I can pray with you afterwards so that you too can experience the joy that we talked about this morning. Anybody, raise your hand up high. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hands. Just one more time. Anybody else? The next question I have for you is if you have been struggling with joy, you're not joyful, you don't know why, you're frustrated, and you've been allowing influences around you to rob you of the joy that God wants you to have, I want to pray for you. So with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would raise your hand high for me so that I can pray for you, I would love to do that. I see your hands. Anybody else? Father God, I lift up these brothers and sisters who are honest with themselves and they desire to be honest with you. They want to be in a place of greater joy, but there's been influences that have, have removed them from living in it. Lord, I pray that you would bring to remembrance even right after this service that they would go and they would write down and make a list just like Mary did of all the things that they have to rejoice in so that you could produce joy in their lives and they could move on from this season and be blessed in your presence. Thank you, Father. And for those who raise their hands for salvation, the son, the baby that was born, that was given to us for reconciliation, to give us right relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the gift of the Holy Spirit and that they, as they started to walk with you, that they would quickly see fruit start to come from their lives 
because of obedience to what your word says. We love you. We thank you. We rejoice. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.